Over 30 years ago now, over 30 years ago now, uh, Barbie and I were serving at a camp in, up in La Follette, Tennessee, Camp Galilee. And a um, particular week that we were there, we had a, a, a young guy just out of college or a college student at the time uh, that was there at camp ministry, and he played taps at night on his bugle and blowed reveille in the morning and uh, was, a, was a, a, a young Dutch guy. And uh, Barbie and I met Dirk Mayer, and uh, God knitted our hearts together in, in a uh, friendship that only, only he can do. It's been awesome. We've known him. Uh, now, Dirk and Sandy Mayer have uh, five kids. They're most of them grown. Uh, the oldest one is in school at the uh, Hawaii Pacific University, somewhere down in Oahu there. Um, others around the, around the place. But for 20, I think you said over 25 years, Dirk and Sandy Mayer have served with Wycliffe. And uh, uh, they, their home now currently is at Waxhaw, North Carolina. Uh, they just came back to Waxhaw from four and a half years in, in South Africa, where, uh, where Dirk was ministering there. He's, he worked, spent many years with the, uh, with the Jesus Film Project, putting the Jesus Film in many, many different languages around the world. Then he spent the last several years, and what he was working with more closely in Africa and even before South Africa, was with the oral learners and orality network and involved in, in sharing and getting the gospel uh, out to, to tribal peoples and all over the world. And indeed, the last 25 years of Dirk's life has been committed to that. A few years ago, he and I were privileged to, uh, to be at the uh, Billy Graham uh, Center up in Black Mountain for a conference called Finishing the Task of uh, a Let's Complete, let's, let's Finish This Commission that God gave us of Taking the Gospel to the Ends of the World. And uh, was, uh, was, uh, was blessed to be a part of that. Um, he's the kind of man that uh, there's, some, there's some, some guys and some of you people that's been involved in athletics. Uh, they're, they're, I, I, there's people that I've wanted my son and daughter to be around. You know? I just want them to be around that kind of a person, that caliber of a man or that caliber of a woman. And there's those people that through the years God has blessed us with at the House of Prayer and has blessed uh, Barbie and me personally with. And Dirk Mayer is one of those kind of people. He's one of the most godly men that I've ever been around. Because it's just real. He just lives it out. Um, for over 30 years, we've uh, walked with the Lord together. Sometimes we've cried together. Sometimes we've laughed together. Uh, uh, but I'm, I want you to meet him. Some of you have known him. It's been four and a half years since he's been here. Uh, but for others, you've never met him. And if you're one of those that's never met him... We're going to hang around. He's going to be here. He's going to leave after we have lunch and drive to Waxhaw to check on his bride. You've been praying for him and his family. Continue to do that. But I want you to get to know and love this guy. But let's give a house of prayer welcome to my brother, Dirk Mayer. Well, he's not going to pray for me this time. But he did it earlier at the service, so... Well, you know, I, I don't know which service I'd like to rather be at, you know, this one or the earlier one, because this one, you know, the choir was way more people, and really, that's, that's so fun. It's always the House of Prayer choir that, you know, no wonder he sends you to the ends of the world. And you guys first went to Africa, 
Yeah, and so we, we just you know, kind of had to I follow on your... T- you did, you did, yeah. But the first service, though, you actually told them that they could kick off their shoes, and you don't allow anybody to... Is that too many feet here that may smell during the second service? I don't know. No, well, you, he was talking about that himself at the first service, okay? That's not my idea. No, I mean, I would never have an idea like it at all. I mean, I don't get things like that from Jerry. You know that. <laughs> yeah. He was taking up the whole front row, too. There was a group here when we were greeting each other that came in and said, well, can we sit up front? Yeah, I said, well, nine people. I said, I think that will work. Yeah, but he had this Bible almost all the way to the end. I mean, there's just no room. There's no, no, I had to sit up in two rows. But I don't know if you members here, you've been here before, but welcome to this church. This is also my church in a real sense. And because really for 30 years, uh, this is my church away from home, but it's, it's more than that. It's a home. Because of the realness also of Jerry, I've been able to grow. And I know you've been able to grow. And the realness of you, who you are. Everybody here. I mean, just from any, any people I meet, it's, it's not necessarily the beauty. Because all of us got warts. <laughs> but you know what? It's the beauty of God working on those warts and making us like him. And that's what I've seen here with people everywhere. And so people that I've known and I, I still recognize... After these four and a half years, it's not you changed, it's just my memory, okay? But it's just wonderful to be back again. And I'm very thankful. And Jerry was talking about his chicken wagon earlier. And I think it still looks pretty good. I mean, duct tape does a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) But I bet you you didn't have an adventure like this in your car before. Maybe you did. Any hunters here today? Yes. All right. Well, I was with a group in northwest Namibia. And that group of people there, they're nomadic. Nomadic still, still, because it's all a big savanna. And they've got large herds. And where they stay is typically little, you know, stick huts with basically animal skins or cloth over it now. And, well, they're getting pop-up tents too. But, you know, they're changing a little bit. But at the same time, there's a lot less wild there. And they hunted also before. So now they have to get a license for each animal that they actually catch, you know, like a tag, and this is very restricted. But I was doing a workshop among them, and they said, we're going to have one of those workshops because they have to get the tag, and, you know, nomadic, they're not always close together. So they need to find out, you know, where they're at and if it's logical to get the tag because where's the person that has the tag? This time we had the tag. And actually, they're going to kill two of those because one of them was like for a meet. It was during the rainy seasons when they're closer together and they also have like a, quote, community meeting. They hold it under the tree, by the way, not like here. And as the sun changes throughout the day, they kind of move their meeting just with that whole tree. And the kids are right with them there and everything goes on. I mean, you know, it's just life. So we got one of those tags and they said, okay, well, now we need to hunt it. I said, okay. Yeah, they didn't ask me to shoot it. They wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Actually, springbuck in this case. Yeah. That's where they got a permission for. And they're a little small type deer or gazelle. And so they said, well, I would like you to drive. I said, yeah, okay. So does that mean? Well, that means I was driving, by the way, on the wrong side of the car. Well, the right side, but I mean, they drive there. And so I had driven the car actually this time into the desert myself, a four-wheel drive, and there's not really any kind of roads there. Uh, Trails at best. But the area where these springbok were was kind of like a large spread-out savanna. 
And so they said, so you're going to drive, we're going to tell you which way to go. And the guy next to me was sitting with his shotgun out of, out of the window. And, okay, a little bit to the left. Well, I go dodging bushes and everything else, going, well, 50, 60 miles, 70 miles, you know, till this kind of Springbok finally decides, well, this is enough for him, and he stops. He says, stop the car, so I slow it down. And then there he goes. To us, it sounds pretty rough, but that was our meat. And so that was my car there before I actually turned it over three times. Not, not, not during this thing, okay? That was later by myself. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but it did. You had a Springbuck car instead of a chicken car. But I had a Springbuck car. That's why I wanted to share with you guys, because the adventures, you know, are quite unique. Every place we are... I'm sure some of you have also stories about your cars here as you just drive and you know, meet people, meet other cars, <laughs> in all kinds of ways. And I know people have died. And life is really something that we're right now in and we know it's going to end. And as life ends, then what? Well, as you have been serving with us, we've been able to serve people around the world that basically have no knowledge of hope for a future. They may believe in gods and spirits, and by doing things, and I'm going to come down to you all, I'm going to do a little bit different today, and I'm going to give you a model of how, we, how I do a story with people from the scripture, just telling you, actually drawing you into the scriptures. But in that context... As we basically have these stories, and people don't know about God, how can I draw them in, in a God that they don't know about? And they do have belief and faith, and they try to do things to please gods, to please spirits, to have philosophies, and they have been around, and they will be always be around. But how do I connect with a people that's totally different? than I am. Well, God's word is beautiful. It's got stories. And I tried to connect where they're at. In the first service, I actually did a story. For those that were there, you can look up after the service, but it was Genesis 4. But I'm sure all of you knew it was Genesis 4. But I was praying a little bit earlier, okay, which one do you want me to do now? And then the choir was singing about the name of Jesus. And I thought, okay. And then about actually also his love in there. I thought, okay, maybe I should do this other story. And so I am. I'm going to draw you into this other story. This is not a story that I typically would start with if I am with people. Because, see, if you start in the middle of a story and they don't know the beginning, that's like, what does sin mean? Like this morning, they were saying, okay, praise the name of Jesus. What is magical in J-E-S-U-S? Really, nothing. I mean, it's Isa in some languages, Jesus in Dutch, Jesus in Spanish, it's Yeshua in Hebrew, Jesus. I mean, all these different names, are, but they were singing not about these letters. Remember in the song, it went to this person. It's about this person. It's God coming to earth. And yes, in English, his name is Jesus. And that's what this story is about. I'm going to tell you this morning about Jesus. He's more than a man. He was God coming to earth. We can't really understand that. It's a miracle. That's okay that we can't understand it. We don't need to explain it. But as I'm telling you this story, 
I'm going to give it a short introduction, and then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell starting the story where it is in Scripture. I'm not going to give you the reference on the front end. You can look it up afterwards. And the reason is, I'd like you to listen. We get easily sidetracked. Oh, which one is it? And then you have a different translation than I do. You say, honey, I, I, oh yeah, that's that translation. And all kinds of things start to happen, except for we're really not engaging with the story. And that's what I need to do when I go to people in another culture. Can I draw them into the story so they can experience actually what this story is all about? And this is a familiar story to probably most of you. So I hope that you can still see it in a fresh and a new way. It's often harder with us because we got predetermined ideas already. Especially if I would give it a title. You say, oh, that's this story. And all the things that you've learned will come to your mind and they will pop out. And that's part of who we are. But, you know, most of them are coming from systematic doctrine. A doctrine that basically where we say, okay, we learn this from Scripture and then we turn it around and basically interpret Scripture from this doctrine. And we have to be very careful. Because God's word is one harmonious story that all belongs together. And sometimes we make things fit. And if it's not us trying to make it fit, meet a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or... Sometimes other groups, there was a salt church in one of the areas I was. And they make it fit like this. We're the salt of the earth. So we need to wear white robes, like salt. I've seen pink salt too, so I guess they had not seen pink salt. I guess white is okay. So they had white robes. And so if you would sin, I would come to you as a brother and spray salt water in your eyes to help you repent from your sins and turn And that was just the top of the mountain. Just out of that one little verse. There's so many twisted doctrines and thinking. And often it comes because, are we really allowing people to engage with the stories of God's word? People engage with the stories at a level where they can connect? Well, I'm sure you will be able to connect with the story today. I'm going to walk around a little bit. So if it's a little bit unconventional, this is kind of what I would do with a group when I am. And when we start translating actually God's word, and this is the beginning of the process, because as they internalize the story, learn the truths from it, then what they can do in return is share it with others, test it. They have to really know it. They have to apply the truths already themselves. And that is part of the consulting. And then we use other consultant checks. And actually... We want to make sure there's a record of it. Whether it is they can listen to it or it's written down, doesn't really matter. That's what's best for them. But that record becomes their scripture. And that's something somebody else cannot easily refute. If they really know it, then it's not somebody else coming with another idea of telling that story. So I'm going to try to tell it the way it is in scripture. And afterwards, if I'm not doing right, I want you to challenge me on it because it's important that we get what God wants to tell us, not what my thinking about this is. And that's very easy to do. It can be good thinking, that doesn't matter. But, you know, maybe two kinds of good thinking are still not really good in the story. So I'm going to try, you know. So I'm going to go back to Jesus here. It's going to be a story about Jesus. Jesus, he was a teacher, wasn't it? He was a lot among people. And he shared. And not everybody really liked what he was saying. Some people, they thought it was good. But other people, they were listening critical. And this is where the story starts in the Bible. There was a man among the crowd where Jesus was. He was actually who had actually studied 
The laws is Moses. And he, he stood up. And then he asked the question to Jesus to test him. He said, What do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded to him and said, Well, you have studied the laws of God. What does it read? And he said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul or life, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered well. Do. And you'll live. But the man, he wanted to make himself right before God. So he asked Jesus another question. He said, "Um, now, okay, who's now my neighbor? And Jesus responded. And this is most of you probably start with a story. Right? There was a man who traveled from the city of Jerusalem. And he went down to the city of Jericho. And while he was on the way, there were robbers that attacked him. And they beat him. And and took off all his clothes. And they left him for almost dead. I'm not going to say half death. Reason being that for her it's pretty clear. But most people I'm with it's like. Now half that which side? This side or this side? (laughs) It doesn't communicate. It really doesn't. And suddenly I lose him in the story. Yeah. So he was left almost dead. A little bit later, there was a man who came by. You know what? He was actually a man who was serving God. He was a priest. Now, we kind of have an idea of a priest, is most of us anyway. And, you know, he was supposed to be honoring God with his life. He came, and as he was coming, he walked by on the other side. And he went on his way. Later, there was another man who was also supposed to be serving God. He was of the tribe of the Levites. The group of people of Israelites that were descendants from Levi. And likewise, he came to that place and he saw the man and he went around him on the other side and went on his way. But then, there was a man actually from a neighboring area, a Samaritan. And he came by. And he saw the man. And he had compassion on him. And he knelt down. And he bound his wounds. And he put oil and wine upon him. And then he had an animal with him. And he put him on the animal. And he took him with him to a place where he was staying for the night. And as he was there, he took care of the same man. And then in the morning when he was leaving, he gave money to the innkeeper. I don't have anything real, but you probably would love it if I gave you a couple of dollars, right? But then, when he, 
What he did is say, okay, take care of this man. And, and if this is not enough, he says, I will come back and I will pay the difference. Then Jesus said, okay, now, which of these three men is like a neighbor? The man who had studied the law said, well, the one that showed compassion, that showed love to him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And that's the end of the story. All right. If I ask, well, let me ask, how many have heard this story before? Don't be afraid to put up your hands. Okay, it's just about everybody here, okay? And you say, well, I, I think I knew that story. Okay, that's good. Anybody wants to retell it then? Anybody ready? Oh, don't know it that well. Okay, well, let's get into that story and try to repeat it together. Yeah? So, who are all the persons in this story? What are some of the characters? Jesus is one. Who else? Okay, but maybe loud because this is a big room and this thing <laughs> is not picking up your voice, it's only picking up mine. So, <laughs> so was Jesus and asking them the questions? There was a, indeed a man who had studied the laws. Yes, the priest I heard. Levite. Samaritan. Bunch of thugs. <laughs> oh, I like that, you know, because that's the way it communicates to you, and that's what they really what they were. I need to watch out when I work with people to use the right kind of words, because if I use words that don't communicate, and obviously I communicated the right word to you, because you knew what it was in your language, thugs. That even was more like, man, they really were that. Yeah, I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> ah, former police officer, no wonder, you know. <laughs> All right, so we have got the thugs in there. Who else? The victim, yes. Innkeeper, all right. Hey, uh, yeah, I know somebody has to get the donkey in there, but wait a minute. There I go actually back to the scriptures and say, okay, uh, in the Greek, does it say donkey there or the animal he had with him? Now, for us, it doesn't maybe really matter that much, okay? And some translations use donkey. And the people that are in that area, if they already have translations that use donkey, they're going to have to consider this. But I bring it to them in this way, okay? We need to make sure it's as accurate as possible. And if this works, donkey works best, and that's the only way it communicates, you see it in translation, that's all right. But it's a more generic word. It is indeed animal that he had with him. Like a domestic animal, animal burden. It could have been actually a horse. Could have been a camel. Yeah. But let's go with a donkey. That's all right. The reason why I'm saying that, in some other uh, times in the Bible, when we change it to more specific, it can change out the meaning of the story. And I have to be very careful. And I don't want to automatically then put those you know, assumptions there. Okay, this is the animal it is because they're familiar with the animal. And I, at one point, I, I brought a student and they said, no, we want to make it actually animal because, you know, you, you're helping us understand this is God's word and we want to keep it as accurate as possible, as clear as possible, and as natural as possible. So we're going to use thugs for sure, you know, but we're not going to say donkey here. Yeah? So those are things that the choice is being made to make sure the com a story communicates 
accurately, clearly, naturally, in a way that it speaks to the heart. And when I tell it, that you can get into this story instead of like, you know, you kind of, okay, I can memorize this story if I just practice enough and I have the words right. No, the story needs to become yours. And that's the whole part of the process, what we're doing. Now, these people I were with, they did not have any of God's word at all. And they didn't have the language written down. So these were the first stories that they're getting into their language. And some of them are Christians already. And it's like, this is the first real stories that, that are now mine, that God's word is mine. And as we indeed go to the process and record them, they can also check them. So not suddenly, why do I do this, believe it or not. Mobile phones are just about everywhere. Not that they can use them everywhere. I mean, I was with these same nomadic people in the desert, and they actually had their mobile phones, at least many of them, even hanging here on their belts, even when they're away in the desert, because when they get to town, all they need to get is just a little money on their little cards, and hey, they can call their friends who are also in town at that point, or family members, or, you know, it's amazing. And then you get in the boonies on top of that, sometimes even when they don't have connectivity, they connect with each other. You know, oh, I like that song. Can I make a copy of that? Yeah, I'll Bluetooth it to you. How many here you can Bluetooth somebody else from your phones? Okay, not too many people. Well, these people out there, out in the desert, they're just as smart as we are. They're just dealing with their environment. Get back to the story. In that environment, God wants to make his story real and clear so they can connect with God for who he is, not with religion. Not with all kinds of things that put them... Because they can connect with religion very easily. They already know religion. So I'm going to go back to the story. We'll start off with the story now. You've already told me the people that are in it. What person does the story start off with? Does it start off with Jesus? Okay, what did I say about Jesus? Uh, Make up your mind, Jerry. Come on, you're a man of God. (laughs) And I thought... You know, if there was one person that knows the story, it would be him, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> no, I know what he's doing, because I gave an introduction, and the introduction was about Jesus, wasn't it, Jerry? I'm trying to bail you out now, okay? And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no. I've learned way from what Jerry than I can imagine, so he knows I'm just teasing him. But, okay, introduction was, and then basically it was a man who was a teacher of the law, had studied the law, he stood up. What did he do? He asked a question. Why did he ask that question? There's a story tell us in the Bible. To test Jesus, to prove Jesus. Yeah. What was his question? Okay, now you said, what do I need to do to have eternal life, right? Was that the word I hear somebody say inherit? Is there a difference? What's the difference between inheriting and having? Hmm? Can I do anything to inherit? No. Why? It's who I am in relation to someone else. That's right. Okay, so that's quite different. That word is in there. And he knows that. He doesn't say just have. No, it's not wrong. Many translations actually even say have. But the word there is inherit. When I share this with the people there, this rings home. Even if they don't have an inheritance typically in their culture, they know the difference between something you get because of who you are and what you get that you can actually earn or do something for. And that is important because can we earn what God is giving us? No. 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 So God simply also tells him, okay, so you have studied the law. 
You tell me. And what does he say? The teacher of the law responds. In response, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul or strength or life actually, and then all your strength, and then all your mind. And then? Okay, love your neighbor like yourself. Now, I know some of you have been in South Africa with a choir here, and you may have picked up some Afrikaans there. And Afrikaans actually does not use neighbor, they use naaste. Now, typically, we think of a neighbor as somebody that's living next door, or your neighbor's right here in the pew is the person sitting next to you, yeah? But naaste actually has a broader meaning. It plays more into actually what this story is about, especially when I was with groups that knew the Afrikaans as their second language, they right away went, oh, it's more like the Nasta, isn't it, than actually that somebody's living next door. Because listen, as the story goes on, we'll find out something about that, isn't it? But we're not there yet, so I can't tell all that stuff to you because then you don't help me figure out what the story is all about. Because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to draw people out so they are the ones who are learning directly from Scripture. I'm not teaching them because if I teach, it's my truth, you're going to have to accept it. If you discover it, it's your truth, and you can defend it. And that's a total different perspective of God's word. Then when others come along, it's not anymore whatever they say. Or if somebody else better comes along, whatever he's teaching better. No. You've discovered that from yourself, from God's word. That's why it's important for people to have God's word, and not only preaching or doctrine. Because some other doctrine comes along, now which one is right? Yeah? Yeah? And there's a lot of that stuff out there. I mean, it's unbelievable. So in this case, we want to stick with the words that really communicate best. Now, what happens next? Jesus praises this man, right? He says, well, go, and you will live. But then, he wants to make himself, what? Right before God. He's justifying himself. That's the word we often use. For most people in other worlds, that's one of those difficult words, justify. So if they make themselves right before God, they understand that because I'm doing something to get myself right before God and God, it's not God doing that. And he says, but who is my neighbor? And then Jesus launches in the story that we know so well. What happens first? He goes from Jerusalem to? Okay. Now, this is a man that is on this road. What happens to him? He gets beat up by these thugs. Right. And you know what? He's left there, what? Almost dead, right. <laughs> hey, but you listened real good to that one, didn't you? Not half death anymore. You're not going to go through that one again, huh? And so... He's left that way. Yes, he's basically stripped from all his clothes and everything. Now, what happens? Is anybody coming by? Priest. A priest. Now, priest is somebody who set aside to actually serve God. Yeah, but you know what? Joe, I've known you a long time. How about that this priest, he was on his way to the temple. He couldn't defile himself. I mean, don't you understand that? that then he couldn't serve in the temple anymore. I've heard people give it as an excuse. Mm. 
Then the Levite, who is he? He's also a servant of God. Also in the temple aspect that he has a role that is a testimony that is supposed to be for God. And what does he do? Pass by like I did twice, didn't you? When I was walking down here down the aisle. Well, there's another person, isn't it? Samaritan. Now, even if people don't know where he's from, it will still have the same meaning. But see, I'm now with a crowd that knows a little bit more about it. At least a lot of you do. And I'm going to add that this morning because I want to communicate to you also at your level. Now, this Samaritan was a foreigner, to the Jews anyway. Besides that, did they really like the Samaritans? No. Now, the story doesn't say so. So we don't have to make it a big deal, but it's very interesting. We know that the Jews necessarily don't like them. And so this guy is doing what? He is the one that helps. And what does he do? Yeah, he puts him on his animal, but there's a little bit before that, doesn't he? Okay, he basically, it says, yeah, he kneels down, puts wine and oil and I sometimes have to explain that too, because it's like, okay, we only drink wine, and people drink wine, and that kind of relates to drunkenness, you know. So sometimes you just use the words that relate to them in that context to help them to get really what the meaning is. It's basically, uh, you know, the cleaning from the wine, the alcohol cleans the wound, and the oil kind of protects it, and then banishing it protects it even more, Yeah. So those are some aspects in there that sometimes you need to help people live with because otherwise they get so stuck on what is this wine about and this oil about that they won't listen to the rest of the story anymore. Yeah? Because you need to keep relating to them and keep them in the story. But hey, while I'm kneeling down here, what could happen to me? Oh, you could have been robbed uh, too. Yeah, these thugs could come back. Right, right. right. That's right. Now, in our context, hey, that's, yeah, that's true. That may be quite a possibility, unless you were around and probably already. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> I was with one group, and I was just bringing that question out. They said, well, but how about if he, you know, basically, was there, was there even a risk for him to do that? They said, no. I said, how come? They said, okay, you know, the Bushmen, this is with the Bushmen I was, if they would anything like that happen... It would be indeed on the pathway, which is the open way. And so they would definitely scat. They would not stay there. And say, that's no issue. Okay. So I don't want to draw issues that are not really there for them and say, well, but you know, that was really a risk. No, that's not what the story is about. Yeah? The story was about he did what he did. And he did it committed because he gave quite some valuables. Wine and oil were quite valuable at that point. Yeah, but not only that, he put him on his animal. He said, "Where did he take him?" Yeah, was it the Hyde Regency or which one was it? The Holiday Inn, right? No, I don't know. Maybe it was a five star, four star. I don't know. But he took him to a place to stay the night. Well, the thing why I'm doing this is most people that are actually very rural they don't have inns, but they do have people and places where they know they can stay. So he took him. For to a place where people normally stay overnight. And that communicates. And that's actually what he's talking about. And he took care of him there. And then on the morning when he was leaving, he did what? 
Okay. Now, did I mention how much? No. no. Does the Bible and the story tell us how much? I'm sorry? Well, that's not what he gave him then, though. You're right there. You're exactly on. That's what happens next. So I'm going to you on that one next. But at this point, it does say specifically the coins in the Bible. And when you read all your concordances, you can see, okay, well, it's about two days' wages. Okay. Uh, without getting personal, no, I can't do that. Because I was going to ask how much Jerry makes and how much actually uh, the policeman makes here. And that would probably be a little bit personal, wouldn't it? But I just asked, okay, so was it the wages of the president of the country or somebody who does manual labor? We don't know. We don't know exactly. Because if it was really manual labor or what level of manual labor it was. So we have to be careful in that. Because that's, that's basically, in the research, we think it was manual labor. But nobody is there to really have to confirm that back. So that's why I say, okay, he gave money. He gave off his resources. Because the next one that you talked about is the key one. If this is not enough, when I come back, then I'll pay the difference. Yeah? So even if this was money of a day's wages laborer, like in South Africa, you guys were there. You know what? Basically, manual labor doesn't pay anything. doesn't matter what race you are. But if you have educated, it, it just goes up like right away this much. So for them, manual labor would not be worth anything because, you know, for me, that would be like buying a meal. But for them, that's their whole day and everything else that they need to take care of. So, you know, I try to stay away from things that actually become confusing for them because... I can go to more generic. Sometimes we have to do that to help them. And in this way, they know that he gave money. And yes, at whatever level it was, it was at least those two coins. They were gold coins, I think, if I understand right. Might be wrong on that one, too. I've not looked at enough, Jerry. But anyway, that's not that important. See how easily this gets sidetracked? Well, we want to stick on the, on the same thing. We want to stick to the story. Why? Because... The key is to help them to get into the story. And if they get busy with all that figuring out, they're already way gone. Because they may not even be using money yet, except unless they go to town. Believe it or not, a lot of people are still bartering and trading in some of these areas. So to confuse them is not very helpful. Generic, he gave him money. And that second part of if there's anything else that was needed. Now, if he was almost dead, we think, oh, he probably was up to there for a few days and he was up going and gone. Well, how do we know? He might have been in a half a year. We don't have broken legs, broken bones, concussion. We have no clue how severe it was. But this man, did he make a limit to it? No. He said, whatever, right? Whatever it takes, I'll do it. That's right. So the simple question came back to this man who had been teaching the law. What was the question? Which of these is your neighbor? And... Basically, what was the answer? You remember? The one that showed compassion. Now, I went through that one too. Like people said, he didn't mention a name. Samaritan. Because he couldn't even mention that one. Well, I don't know. If he could or not. We can't judge that. God didn't give us it in the story. But did you know what? He did mention and did recognize What? Then it was the man who showed compassion. compassion. That's what it was about. 
And then simply he tells him, what? Go do likewise. Whoa, what a powerful story, isn't it? In a real sense, if you get into it that way. Because there are several people that are actually involved that we can look at and say, hmm, who am I in this story? And that's one way to approach a story. To allow people to think, who are you in this story right now? Are you like this teacher of the law? And I don't want you to answer. Especially in our culture, we make ourselves vulnerable and you already say, hey, thank you very much. And you don't want to listen anymore. So you want to be very careful with that. But you want to draw people in. Are you maybe like a priest or a Levite? Are you like the Samaritan? Are you like Jesus? Or are you the innkeeper? Then I ask, who would you like to be? And then I get different answers. But if you, the beautiful thing about it is who you like to be is okay. So if you really like to be, what does that mean in your life now? Now I'm just going to ask a few of you to feel comfortable. And I'll make the closing with that. Who would you like to be? Not the victim, all right. Uh, boy, I didn't mention him, did I? Well, you know what? Why not? Okay, but he was, he, was, he was somebody to help him. Now, go back into the earlier in the story. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your life or soul, strength, and your mind. Love your neighbor like yourselves. That demonstrating is what? Who Jesus is. If that was portrayed by the Samaritan, then what was portrayed to him, well, he didn't die but actually in a time of real need, and we don't know where this guy was, that actually helped him to see that kind of a love. Yeah, so I can understand. I, I would be my first reaction to I don't want to be him, but same time, I, he could have died and not have the opportunity that was given to him. It's a beautiful opportunity, because that's what Christ was talking about, you know? Yeah? Who likes to be somebody instead of not somebody? <laughs> Who would you like to be in this story? Anybody? You're all afraid? What's the matter? You suddenly got quiet. Everybody was answering earlier. Or is it too late? You guys need to go. I know you've got reservations at a restaurant and it's just about to go past and they're going to let somebody else get your table. I'm so sorry. Jerry warned me for this. This would happen. He said at 12.30 the lights turn out, but I'm surprised it's still on. <laughs> I'm just teasing, okay? <laughs> you want to be the Samaritan? That what you want to be too? Okay. Why would you want to be the Samaritan? Love. Show love. Yes. Yeah. Passion. Yeah. But there's quite an open commitment, isn't here, what he had. Are you really, and I'm, I really willing to give that kind of a love? When I go home this afternoon to wax on four and a half hour drive, am I ready to stop? When God really brings somebody like that on my road? Am I in the store and I see somebody that needs that help? If God prompts me to share the gospel with somebody, have I that kind of a heart? When somebody 
just needs encouragement. Can I come by and feel like typically I see Jerry doing so much? Be that encouragement? Tell me why. Right. Right. Yeah. See, isn't it beautiful? How we can find these different persons and the values in those? Did you all hear that, what she was saying? Yeah? Anybody didn't hear it? Okay, good. You didn't hear it. Oh, okay. No, you wanted to. Okay. Okay, tell me why. I love it because that's also a beautiful thing. We want to be like him. So that's the whole story. That's another beautiful picture, isn't it? See how when you listen to a story and how it draws you out to find yourself. But my challenge is to each of you. Try to find yourself in the story. And allow that to be every morning you wake up this week. We say, what did I commit to last Sunday as far as I want to be this person? Lord, help me today. So you can shine through me as I in earlier service, there was a beautiful song of abiding, abiding in Jesus. Abiding in God. As I rest and abide or am abandoned to you. And as you then flow through me, the beauty of it is, each of you here, uniquely different, young, older, with respect, Joe, you know, in every way, God has a plan for your life to shine through you. Remember, our purpose that he created us was for fellowship with him, and it all started good in the beginning. There was nothing wrong. There was life. He's going to restore that. If we are willing to open ourselves up to him and be changed by him. And that change is actually that he wants to work in my life, primarily. So he can have fellowship with me. Sounds selfish. No, that's what God wants. So with you, 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 everybody here. And as that happens, the abiding in him, he will shine through us. And that's the beauty of the underlying aspects of this story. And the beauty of the answers I hear from everybody. As you're looking at who you feel you could be in this story. It's because of what Jesus did, isn't it? He is the one that God used to really bring us back to him again, to take care of what we cannot fix. And we remember that when you have the communion together. And that's what we're closing the service with, to just remember that it's truly him in us, shining through us, each of us, Uniquely different, but none of us any less than anybody else, including this little grandbaby that you're holding there, great grandbaby. Because God has plans, because He loves, really loves you in this broken, in this corrupt, in this crazy world. And He won't fix everything in this world, because this world is going to remain the same with a new life in you until. The future plan that God has for us, we become part of.
And you know what? Actually, in the end of the Bible, it starts over the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, huh? You know, in the last part of the Bible, that, that thing is gone. God dealt with that issue because of Jesus. And that's what we do when we have actually communion. We remember what he did for us. That's, see, there's a celebration today. Jerry, 